So we're supposed to wrap up Titus chapter 3 today, and uh, I, I pray that this is an encouragement to you as believers. When I speak to you here this morning, uh, I am sure that there's people in here that I have no idea what their salvation looks like. Most of you I do. I know that salvation... When I say salvation, it is simply the belief that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for your sins and that He forgave you. And that's it. That's, that's salvation. What you understand... Oh, this is going <laughs> to... Thanks. It was going to bother him the whole service and probably with some of you, so... That's awesome. Michelle, you were supposed to take care of me. Oh, uh, yeah, what are you looking at? <laughs> I'm always, yeah, I'm always wear, scared to wear khaki for some reason. <laughs> Thanks, Chad. Uh, salvation, salvation is, is simply just the belief. Like Abraham believed, he believed in, in Genesis that God was God. And it was because he believed wasn't because he did anything you know the law came after circumcision came after all that came after it was simply he believed so if you believe that jesus is the son of god you have salvation it's that simple you don't have to do anything you don't have to earn it you don't have to like keep repeating it and keep you don't have to do any of that it's it's a finished thing and this is literally what paul is reminding titus to tell the church at Crete. It's like Titus is like freaking out because he's young. He's supposed to be like a, an elder of this island and the people on there, it's like Vegas. And they're just like blowing it. And he's and Paul's just like, well, just let me encourage you to remind them who they are. And when he does that, he kind of states some obvious things. Here's some things that should be obvious to you as believers, as you having this new heart, this new attitude, this new personality. This should be natural for you. And he starts off by, this is a good one to start with, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities. Here we are in America. Uh, Paul, Paul's words can be hard to understand and, and sometimes even to embrace, especially for those of us that are in democratic nations. Like, I'm sure in this room we have political people that are in favor of and not in favor of certain people. And I'm not, I'm not going there. This is not a political message. But the point is what he's saying here is not that we ought to blindly follow the governing authorities, e even if they lead us into error. Even if they lead us into error, we are to submit, not into their error, but submit to them in the position. But rather, believers ought to recognize their position with humility and be subject to their implementation of laws. 
Now you're sitting here like going, ah, it's so hard. And it's like, you know what he's literally saying is like, where's your heart in this? Can you, can you submit to authority? Can you submit to authority? You have to submit to authority. You have to. He, he doesn't want believers to have this reputation of illegal activities. He doesn't want that. Christianity is not meant to be a movement that's built that forces and overthrows governments. We may not be in agreement with them, but how, how do I humbly disagree with them? How do I go about my life? I, as a pastor, you know, I can sit here and go, you know, I'm 59 years old, and I know that the, the government has impacted my life. But have I been able to live my life? Absolutely, I have. Yeah, they've had impact on me. Uh, it changes the way my money happens, the way uh, I participate in organizations, my taxes. I, I, I get all that. But I can literally live my life with the Holy Spirit inside of me, causing me to be humble and submit to whatever authority is over me. I can can and I choose to. That's really what he's saying is the go- the gospel's not calling for violent revolutionaries but rather peaceful ambassadors. And I know you know we're right in the middle of all that right now. I get it. I see it. It's like I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be a light to this world. Whatever that means. Like, if it's if if it's just in my community, to be to be able to like say to my police chief or my fire chief, I love you, and they tell me that they love me back, tells me that I'm making an impact. To tell my barber, I love you. And he loves me back. To tell my Kroger cashier, I love you. I care about you. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. <laughs> Christians were always looked at in this time period because the Roman Empire was in charge, but they were always looked at with this kind of suspicion because their conduct was so different from what the world was teaching. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice if that's the way the world saw our Christians here? Is that you guys are kind of suspicious because you don't act like normal people. That's really what he's saying is like, we're aliens to this world and the things that we are doing in our behavior should look different than the world. The, and he says, 
to obey, to be ready for every good work, to, to slander no one. That Greek word actually there actually is blasphemio, to blaspheme somebody, to speak bad about them. And in other words, what you're saying is is it's causing you to ruin their reputation. That you would speak bad about someone. And he he's literally saying that inside of the church. Why would you do that inside of the church? Believers will ruin their own rep- reputation if they seek to ruin someone else's reputation. So he's like, no slander. That's a, that's a hard bit of instruction right there, but government officials, employers, and any other persons of authority should should be recipients of every good work. Recipients, just, just love on them. hard to do if you disagree with them but remember it's not you doing it it's Christ in you that's doing it Paul's encouraging Christians to love and respect the inherent value within all people I'll say it within all people we live in a world where there's a lot of confusion out there even this week, I'm not, I'm not going to that. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot of confusion out there, and can I can argue, I can disqualify people based upon what they believe. I can devalue their thoughts. I can do all that, but will they be able to hear what I want them to hear? Sometimes I just have to submit and listen. And and I honestly wait for the spirit inside of me to say, okay, they're at a point where they can hear what you want to say to them. And sometimes it's obvious, like, no, they don't have the ears to hear what I have to say to them. And if that's the case, then uh, I need to move on. I need to move on. Like, Trivial arguments about uh, theology, about history, about faith, about our economy. What good is it going to do to argue with someone that has their own opinions and isn't willing to listen to you? It's just an argument. It doesn't even make sense. It's a waste of your time. Go spend time with the Lord. Go spend time in the Word. That's a better way to spend and uh, spend your life and I promise you you'll come out feeling better about it as well we're just not supposed to stir up discontent with people but rather to love and express the fruit of the spirit that's in us that's it just live by the fruit and God has consideration for all people and he wants us to share that same love with them like Who's going to love them? Who is? It should be us. I don't agree with you. I, I don't. I don't have your values. I don't have your morals. I don't. I don't agree with you. But let me love you. We're not on the same page at all. But I'll still love you. Well, that's hard. <laughs> that's hard. He says, and this is it. 
uh, Rick, when you speak from experience, he's like saying, for we too were once foolish. We once too were in these people's spot. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful, detesting one another. I once was a non-believer. I once was a non-believer. I had to come to a point. Now, honestly, I was eight years old. But we were in the same position that the world was in. And all that changed for me when I believed. I'm still learning what that means. But Paul wanted this reality to set in to encourage the, this humility and this compassion in believers to spread with each other. How can, how can I encourage Titus to tell his people to just be? To just be. Be a new creation. Have a new heart. You have a new heart. Live out of that heart. How do I live out of that heart? As ugly as this world is, we must remember that we too were once enslaved to this world system. And a lot of times we go back to it. We we watch stuff and we agree with stuff and you know, we get consumed by the world. That's just our flesh and everything, but the truth of the matter is is but when we believe, I'm set free from all that. I'm set free from sin. I have I have the ability to overcome any sin. It's in me. I have the ability, and that's because there's a spirit of God that lives inside of me. And I just have to choose to follow that spirit. I follow that spirit. He's not going to lead me into sin, and therefore I can overcome it. I make it sound real easy. <laughs> but I believe it. I, I can literally see the errors of the world system. And to be honest with you, I can see the errors of religion. Because I once was in religion. I once was. And religion is just death. You can't win that game. We talked about it uh, several times this week, just being in this hamster wheel of trying to be a good person. And good luck with that. You'll eventually fail you'll eventually fail like trying to live out the red letters of jesus in matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 which you know is the sermon on the mount good luck with that it's the purest form of the law it's the purest form of the law it's possible but only if i let the spirit just totally live my life Uh, and here's the other thing that Paul's literally saying is like, you once were foolish. Um, I said that this, I just said this yesterday. It's like, I, I don't get mad because people teach, uh, law and grace combined, you know, in, in here we don't, I don't teach law and grace combined. It's grace. We're under the new covenant church. The law wasn't even given to us. It was given to the Jews, the Ten Commandments. But the church will say, okay, now you're saved. Now you need to live by the Ten Commandments and do all these things and be obedient, yada, yada, yada. And, and, and literally what Paul has done here, he's like saying, okay, now you understand who you are and 
you're holy, righteous, and redeemed, but that doesn't make you better. That doesn't make you better than anybody else in this room. Like, honestly, believers can sometimes be tempted to look down on the noses of unbelievers. Yeah, I'm, I'm holy, righteous, and redeemed, and they may not be, but there's no reason for me. They're sinners. <laughs> what do you expect a sinner to do? The church, the church, you know, wants good people to come in their doors and everybody be obedient. And it's like, no, I'm okay with like sinners coming here and doing all sorts of junk, and because that's what I expect sinners to do. But how are they going to hear what the truth is if they're not coming in here? And I. As for the religious, I, I once was religious, and I taught all that. And so, yeah, I, I don't get mad at them because they're teaching law and grace together. It's like this was all a journey that I was on. I got to a point where I understood you got to separate the two. Okay. So I have, and, and I love what I'm understanding, but I don't get mad at people because they're teaching law and grace. If the Lord leads me to like have a conversation, I will. But I can't look down upon them. It says in verse 4, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Think about this for a second. The love of God. God is love. He's the definition of love. And the love of God appeared in Jesus here on earth. How, how, how can God like express his love to us as humans? Well, he expressed it through his son. The, the two are one and the same. God, love. Jesus is the love of God made flesh. This love of God was expressed perfectly in Christ. Perfectly. And salvation is not based upon our works. It's based upon Jesus, God's love, coming here to earth, dying for us on the cross, and forgiving us of our sins. When his blood was poured out, it covered all sin all the way back from Adam to whatever the last sin is. That's what Jesus' blood did. It was God's love for the world, for God so loved the world. And the salvation is not based upon our deeds, but our regeneration of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He believed that once faith occurred in us that we were made new creations. And that's what happened. I didn't know that at eight. I didn't know that at all. I was still being taught I had to like pray every night and ask for forgiveness when he forgave me one time. And man, getting off the, the church hamster wheel has saved me. Save me from a life of just not, not being victorious. Always struggling. 
says, He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly, abundantly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified, having been justified by His grace, we become heirs with the hope of eternal life. In my former religious life, justification is often viewed as a position that I have and that someday I, when I die, I, um, I'll totally be justified. Wrong. I have been justified now. I am completely justified. I am completely forgiven. Whatever I have already done, whatever I'm doing, and whatever I'm going to do has already been dealt with. He's not getting back up on the cross and dealing with my future sins. He did it one time. One time. He dealt with it. We're justified even though my behavior is not righteous to the core. My behavior. I'm righteous. I'm perfect. I'm holy because he made me holy. My behavior, it's getting there. (laughs) Give me time. (laughs) Slowly. (laughs) And this whole justification thing is like, it's all part of Paul's theology. It's all part of like, this, this is what you have to teach them, Titus. Teach them that they're justified. If, you can, if, you can, if I can literally brainwash this group right here to believe that you're justified, that you're forgiven, you're completely forgiven, and you walk out of this place and you go into this world, you have an incredible impact on this community. I can't brainwash you to believe that. The Spirit would have to do that. And I'm trusting that the Spirit will do that. And, 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 and hear this. This is so important. When it talks about righteousness and you've been justified and you've been regenerated, it's not a positional thing. It's a real thing. I, it's, the scripture says, we are the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God. You, you are the righteousness of God. You, you, you're the righteousness of God. You've been made the righteousness of God. Not someday in the future, not some position you hold that you're going to claim later. It's like right now, and it's not like there's a Jesus filter. It's not that thing. It's like you have been made righteous. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, then the Bible's wrong. Because that's what the Bible says. We are the righteousness of God. If you believe that... All these things that Paul's telling Titus is like, watch, he says, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. Week after week after week after week, just keep telling them the same thing over and over so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. Paul's message of regeneration to this is about Good works will be the byproduct if they figure this thing out. Not that I have a responsibility or a job as a believer, as a Christian, to do good works, which is what I was told most of my life, but literally, if I just understand who I am in Christ and my identity in Christ, it's going to be natural for me to do good works. It's going to be natural for me to help people. It's going to be natural for me to give to people things that are not mine things that are of God, that he has made me a steward of. It's natural. 
And these good deeds impact the world and hopefully win people over to the gospel. It's not my job. It's not my responsibility. It's just me being. That's all it is. He says, but avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, and disputes about the law because they are unprofitable and worthless. All these things that we tweet and post and just like, come on. There's very few things that drive away people from the church than the infighting of the church. Like, the quarrels that happen within, you know, our own community of believers is, like, ridiculous. You, like, want to turn the world off to Jesus? Just fight among yourselves as believers. That works every time. It's like, Satan just loves to encourage strife within the church and division among church members. Oh, well, you know what they do over there? Well, we do it better over here. Come on. If it's not about Jesus, then we're just, he's like, just stop. It's his overall perspective on the differences between the, the old covenant and the new covenant. People were coming in and, and, and telling, you know, Titus's church and his people that, hey, you know, Paul really didn't know what he was talking about. He wasn't really an apostle with Jesus. He was after Jesus. And you still have to be circumcised. You still have to follow law. You still have to do sacrifices. You still have to do all these things. And we get the same thing today. It's just in a different form. Oh, you've come to know Jesus Christ. You need to be baptized and you need to start giving and you need to sign this contract to be a part of the church and da-da-da-da-da and da-da-da-da-da. It's like, really? You just put them back under bondage. They got totally freed up from simply believing. And he, he's, he's like, Titus, come on, Titus, come on. He's like, reject a divisive person after a first and second warning. Like, go to them, explain yourself, explain what you believe, explain what we're teaching. And if they refuse, let them go do their own thing. And he's like, if they come back and start doing it again, boot them out. He's like, this is serious. Like, I, I've had people up here on this stage, friends, and they've said the same things that I don't line up with. And I come back the next Sunday and I'll say, hey, you know, they said this, but this is the truth. That's happened in here. But they didn't come back a second time. <laughs> Because, why? Because I want you to know the truth. I want you to know the truth based upon Scripture, not based upon my opinions, not based upon Rusty's theology, but based upon what God says. Think about this. It says, For you know that such a person has gone astray and sinning, he's self-condemned. The law condemns all people. Because it can't be kept by anybody. Nobody can keep the law. God, however, is not condemning. For those who are now in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. He wants to literally save all people through Jesus Christ. And then he gives this uh, final instruction right here. He says, When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis, because I have decided to spend the winter there. We know nothing about Artemis. Nothing. Not anywhere else in the scripture. 
to Caicus, we can go back to our study in Acts chapter 20, verse 4, and he was with Paul in the first Roman imprisonment that Paul was in. Paul's out of, out of prison. He's getting ready to go back, by the way. Uh, Paul was in his first imprisonment in Rome, and he helped carry some of the epistles that Paul was writing. He carried uh, the letter to the Ephesians. He carried the letter to the Colossians and to Philemon. So he was kind of like the errand boy for Paul's letters. Uh, and he says, I'm planning on staying for the winter in Nicopolis. Let me show you where Nicopolis is just so you have an idea. Hopefully you've seen these maps enough to know that this is the Mediterranean Sea. You can see where Italy is, where Italy is. And we have a group of people that are leaving on Thursday to go to Italy for 18 days. And one of them is uh, sick and in the hospital right now with COVID, and we're praying for Frank's recovery so he can go with this group. But uh, if you look right here, across from Italy is Nicopolis. It's on, the, it's on Greece. This is Greece right here, but Nicopolis is on the west side of Greece. I just put the big picture up there so that you can see. Obviously, you got Israel over here, but right here is the island of Crete. This is where where uh, he's writing the letter to Titus. Titus is on this island right here that's just like corrupt and everything else. And he's sending this letter from there and saying, I'm going to stay there for the winter. Let me show you what modern day is so like you can see. Uh, again, here's the, the pen I dropped on it. That's Nicopolis, but that's Greece and Italy and uh, all this. Ukraine is right up here. That's where he's going to stay for the winter. But... As we wrap up this letter, bad things happen. Bad things happen, and I'll talk about that next week. Uh, Verse 13, it says, Diligently help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey so they will lack nothing. It is possible that Zenos and Apollos carried this letter right here to Titus. They could have been the one that like actually took him. And we can go back and we can learn about Apollos in Acts chapter 18. Uh, He's the one that was uh, with Paul in several different places. But Paul had sent them on a mission, and uh, Titus was supposed to give them all the aid that he could at that point. And then verse 14, Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. Paul's literally reminding Titus, this is the main point of my letter to you. This is the main point right here. Everything that I've said these last three chapters, these last three weeks, it's right here. Take care of the needs of people. Do good works. Know your identity. Do good works and take care of the needs of people. When there's a need that arises, figure it out how to help them. I spend a lot of my life trying to figure that out. How do I help people? I look in this room and I sit here and I look at you and I go, you guys are do the same thing. It's a beautiful thing. How do, how do we just help people? And, and here's, the, here's the great thing is, it's fun. It's literally fun to walk by the Spirit and go, oh, I'm supposed to do this today. That's not at all what I planned on doing. It's not at all the conversation I was supposed to have today. 
But all of a sudden, when you're in the middle of the adventure, you go, this is fun. I mean, I'm in the middle of my week last week, and uh, I knew my friend Charlie was coming from Washington, and all of a sudden, he's like, we're going to the OU game on Saturday, me and you, and uh, one of my other college friends says, hey, we're coming to the Oklahoma game, and we sat at dinner last night in Cincinnati and just reminisced about college, and get this. We talked about the goodness of God and about the journey that they're both on figuring out how to separate law and grace. I mean, literally over this last year, Charlie, Charlie's on week 18 of the Roman study. And he's like, he came here this week and he's like, the light came on about chapter 5. I'm like, you come Sunday, you're going to see... The people went through the same thing. We pass it out like vitamins. And the light switch comes on. And I had no idea that's what my weekend was going to be like. I had no idea. I didn't know I was going to sit with Alan and Charlie and family. And I was telling Jonathan some of the things that happened. Uh, But that's the adventure. That's the fun part. And he closes the letter by saying this. He says, all those who are with me send you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith. And grace be with you all. Huh. Grace be with you all. You figure out what grace looks like. That grace comes from God. And it's unlimited. It's unlimited. You find out that it's fun. It's fun. It's an adventure. You learn how to live out of your new heart. So Lord, uh, I trust you today. I know that uh, John and Jeannie are in for an adventure. And Liam and Gunnar are in for an adventure. And this room is in for an adventure. And it's all because we trust you. It's all because we trust your word, what you've said, what you've given to us, what you've done for us. All these things absolutely make sense to me. I pray that you continue to show us each and every day and open our eyes to the needs of those around us and how you will fulfill those needs. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.